Welcome to the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. How many of um, at one time in your life you're real committed, or maybe you're right now you're committed to you know working out and lifting weights and all that? How many people are like that? But have you ever watched like a motivational video on people working out? And, you know, and, and, or, or how about the music? You know, usually put on a nice little lullaby, you know, to work out. Oh, you don't? No, how come? Why don't you? Yeah, do you see what I'm saying? What happens? Why, why we do what we do is, is important, and you understand that we don't. We don't do lullabies when we're trying to press and get through. We don't do that. What we do do, though, is encourage ourselves. Whatever way that is, we encourage ourselves. We build ourselves. We strengthen ourselves. We, we, we fire ourselves up. I know when I watch that video, no matter how many times I watch it, and I'll watch it all the time, it, it just pumps me up. Why does it? Because of the music? Think about it. This is something that I believe it's in your heart. It's in your DNA to desire. And I believe when people get around this stuff, what happens, it, it starts engaging in the real you, the real you. And this is what I want for your life because ultimately, not the real you of how you were brought up in your past. I'm talking about the real you, the way God sees you, the destiny he has for you, the life he has for you. Everything about God has his hand placing you into his destiny. The body of Christ is his purpose. The body of Christ is his plan. And that's what we have to understand. That's what we have to realize because if we want to be the best husband, the best wife, the best parent, it's not going to happen by us just skipping through life or, or, or just living life based upon, well, I wish things were better, but still living the way you were brought up. It don't work that way. You want better, you're going to have to change. That's it. It's not about wanting, wishing, praying. It's about doing. We don't just see vision. We do vision. Amen. Are you guys hearing this? We just don't hear his word. We do his word. If you ain't fired up yet, I'm going to make you do up jumping jacks or something. Hashtag see clearly. Man, just ha blow up hashtag see clearly. I'm telling you right now, see clearly, because that's what we're going to end up doing by the time we get done with this message. We're going to see clearly. And that clarity of sight is going to help you usher in your breakout year. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. Fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight. The good fight of faith. The Bible declares that faith is something that we are continuously in, and it's something that we have to recognize that we must operate consciously in the life of faith. Because without that life of faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, people have used that scripture out of context to make you feel bad. Are you hearing me? 
Where's your faith? How can you're sick? How can you're poor? How can you're broke? And they tag you with, without faith, you're not pleasing God. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called. Called to what? Eternal life. You think that means take hold of heaven when you get there. No, it doesn't at all. And that's why you have to understand, what is this saying? It says, to take hold of eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession. Everybody say good confession. Say good confession. Well, there must be a bad confession. Because he didn't say confession. He said, when no confession. All right? Your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In other words, that confession wasn't secretly behind closed doors. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. Oh, no one sees it. No. It's a confession where you're bold and proud. Just like you're bold and proud for your team you like. Bold and proud for the food you like. Bold and proud for what you love to do. Bold and proud of your car with your brand new spinners and juicing it up. Bold and proud. You ain't silent about it. You're bold and proud of it. And 2020 should be our year of being bold and proud of who we serve. Why? Because I don't see how you can't. I don't see how you can't. Just knowing that he's my Lord and Savior turns me on. It, it, it just pumps me up. I'm serving the winner. And I love to win. I mean, I love to win. I remember years ago, this one of the, one of the a church person came up to me. They were, they were actually Raymond grads. And they came up to me, and they were in our church and everything. And he, he talked to me after service. He goes, you know, Pastor, I don't know why when you want to get spiritual, you try to talk spiritual. But he went, Pastor, I feel that I need to share this with you. And I'm like going, oh, crap. Well, I didn't say crap. I, well, yeah, I did say crap. In my head, but not outward. And he, and he went, do you think... It's right for you to use terms like dude. Shouldn't you talk your age? And I went, dude. And I did it straight up. I wasn't good for it. I went, dude, I am who I am. If I'm this way when I was 16, 26, 36, 46, 50, 96, I'll be saying dude because that's who I am. So if you're waiting for me to change how we communicate, I'm thinking, like you, which I would run away from. But I did, and I'm smiling and I'm loving. But in my head, you know the warfare, the devil and everything. <laughs> and, and, and I know what I was saying was not computing. Why? Because they're religious. And religion loves to pressure and push and manipulate you to their system. All you have to do is read the Bible, and all you will see is Jesus and the apostles warning you from who? The gangsters and pimps and prostitutes? No, no, never. 
from church people. It's a fact. Now, now let, me, let me help you. Watch this. Now, now let's do what I do, okay? You ready for this? Fight, that's in present participle. In other words, add an I-N-G to it, and that's the Greek word. Fighting is a continuation of fights. It's not a one-time fight. So the fight of faith is fighting the fight of faith. In other words, I'll fight the faith today, and I'll fight it tomorrow. Right. All right? So it's a continuation. Fighting the good fight. I like good fights. All I know is there's a definition of good fight, and that is I win. Right? Now, see, I've understood for a while now how that defines in my life. See, I can be in a battle. I can be in a warfare. And it can really suck. And it can be tough. But the point is, what do I see at the end? And if I see victory... I see the victory. That means what? It's a good fight. It might be rough. It might be tough. I may be sweating a little bit. There might be some blood. But if I'm going to win. That's my victory. So it says take hold of, and that Greek word literally means to grab, to seize. The reason why this is so important, because our English language is so weak when it comes to the Greek and, and how it communicates. The Greek language is beautiful language. But in the... In, it's in what the picture of that language is showing us is very aggressive actions. Now, see, if I'm speaking to you, let's say I'm Paul talking to Timothy and his crowd, and we're, you know, in Ephesus, and Timothy's pastoring right now, and I'm talking to him, and I say, hey, Tim, Pastor Tim, hear me. I need you to fight the good fight of faith. I need you to lay hold of. But he's not saying it the way we're hearing it. He literally is saying this. Timothy, you got to keep on fighting and keep on fighting this fight of faith and understand that you got to seize hold of this thing. you got to grab hold of it and not let go, boy. And that's what he's doing. Well, he said boy, but... Take hold, seize, grab hold of what? Eternal life. That's the kingdom of God. On earth it is in heaven. It's about God's kingdom. That is eternity. To which you are called when you made the good confession, my declaration of church, truth, my declaration of truth that Jesus is my Lord. My declaration of truth is Jesus is whom I serve. I'm not ashamed to confess that confession. Are you hearing me? Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast, seize, grab hold of the confession of our hope define confident expectation. Not let us grab hold of wishful thinking, grab hold of our wishes and desires. No, let us grab hold of confident expectation. Not release it, not loose it, not, not soft hands. Grab hold of it. Confident expectation. Seize it. And when you grab hold of confident expectation, don't waver. Which means being double-minded. And when you're double-minded, according to James, you're unstable in all your life. Not just some, all. If the enemy has the ability to get you thinking two ways, He's going to mess you up. 
See, this is a problem. I'll help you in this problem. I'm going to bring it down natural to you. I'm going to bring it down simple to you. I like to tell people when I'm in my little life studies or even talking to leaders or even the church, I'll say, I'm a big crayon pastor. Remember when you're little, when you're a real little, they gave you the big fat crayons, the big ones? That's me. I need God to talk to me with big fat crayons. I need to be dumbed down as far as he can get it. I need to be simplified for him to move in my life. And you know what? That's what I believe and that's what I get. And so because of that, I can hand out fat crayons to everybody in here. Some of you are like going, no, I want the thin ones because I know how to stand the lines. That ain't working. We need it very simple. We need it to we're not going to break it if it doesn't align up to the way we feel or think. I want it easy. Our success, your success, and I'm not talking about church. I'm talking about life. Our success in life demands us to understand these principles because the Bible is not about how to be successful in church. It's about how to be successful in life. Jesus didn't say, I come to give you an abundant church and more abundantly. He says, I come to give you abundant life and more abundantly. That's what he said. He, he, Jesus recognized the church is the position and place of his ministry to impact the world, period. For what? For life. For life. Everything we do must be recognizing the heart of the Father. And the heart of the Father is for me to come into his kingdom. And now I'm here. So what's the heart of the Father? For me to help someone else come to his kingdom. Just like my friend Chris was that person for me. And he saw me as someone that was going to be a hard, hard sale. It was, I wasn't easy. I wasn't simple. Everything about me showed I ain't going to accept Jesus. But what he did is he made a decision, and he prayed, and he kept speaking over my life. And I find out all this stuff after the fact, but this is what this guy did. And he kept speaking it. And, he, and after I ended up giving my life to Jesus, we became close friends, but I got to hear the stories See, my picture of Chris was, that's a good Christian. Because that's what he portrayed. He didn't portray a religious one. He portrayed something that just got me aggravated. Because he wouldn't freak out. And he wouldn't act religious like the other guy in the store that was a religious Christian would do. The religious Christian would remind me that I'm going to burn in hell every day. I think he just said it even if he wasn't a Christian. And, but that was his concept. That was his training. So his thing is scare this guy. But he didn't realize that my thoughts were probably bigger parties there than here. I didn't think of it any other way. But Chris was different. And after a period of time, I just, I folded. I mean, I just folded. And I connected to this life of faith. And then the stories after the fact are amazing. 
because then I would hear about him coming home and throwing his wallet on the floor and yelling and going, that McCluskey, oh my gosh, God, oh, and he would be so angry, so mad, and sometimes he'd come home and he'd, be, he'd cry sometimes, and his wife would tell me all these stories, I'm like going, Chris, are you kidding me? If I would have seen that, I wouldn't have seen Jesus, no. But what was he doing? He was making sure that his good confession, his life, was going to stand. He was, listen, this wasn't phony. I know him. I know him. It wasn't phony, but he had to fight it. And the only time he could release the battle that was going on was at his house where it was safe. If you think about it, what are we supposed to do? We fight the good fight of faith. Nowhere does the Bible say, just let your emotions go wild. Show them how you feel. No, it doesn't. We live for our confident expectation. Our confident expectation. That's what we have to live for, our confident expectation. And it says that we do what? We hold on to our confession. We don't allow double-mindedness to come in. We hold on to it tight, and we keep that good confession of faith. You want this breakout year? It can't be just a thought or a whim or a, or a resolution. It has to be a belief, something you believe. It has to be belief. Are you hearing? Belief. This is what I want us to do. This is how we're going to go through this whole year. So that means when I get up here, when any, anybody gets up here at a point, we're going to make sure we start off with our confession, okay? This is what I'll always do. I'm going to say this. What is 2020? Your confession is my breakout year. What are you going to do? Breakthrough and breakout. You hear me? So I will say, what is 2020? My breakout year. What are you going to do? Breakthrough and breakout. All right? And we will say that every time. What is 2020? What are you going to do? And that's what we're going to confess. We're going to say it every, every, every Sunday through 2020. And we're going to hear it. And we're going to say this to ourselves. We're going to get up in the morning. What am I going to do? I'm going to break through and break out. Why? Because this is my breakout year. That's what we're going to say. You're going to speak this in your jobs. What year is this? It's my breakout year. What are you going to do? I'm going to break through and break out. Are you hearing? Oh, she just makes me mad. What year is this? What year is this? What are you going to do? Are you hearing? We've got to recognize this. Our responsibility to hold on to the good confession. Our responsibility to what? Fight the good fight of faith. Can't stop. Keep pressing. Do what? Keep pressing. Don't quit. Keep pressing. Amen? That's your responsibility. Keep pressing. I, I, I was talking to leadership yesterday, and I said, and, and this is, I'm, I'm going to post this on Facebook too, but I want you to understand something. I don't care how far back you go in statistics. And with social, with, with what we have on the Internet, you can, you can research this stuff, but no matter how far you go back, you will find out this. New Year's resolutions, over 80% of people were going to fail before February. 
I don't care how far, how far back you go. 8%, 8% are all that will accomplish a resolution. That's it. Just You can, ser- you can search it. You're never going to see 80% win. Let me ask you something. What does that state to you? Think about it. Majority, beyond majority, I mean high percentage of our population are quitters. Now, what I see is this. It is not that everybody's up here a loser, but what it reveals is a nature. And the nature of this flesh, this life, this this training outside of Scripture, this nature will always quit. Once you want to press into something, the attitude is, is let's stop, let's don't do this. Fasting Friday, you went through breakfast, oh man, it's too much, I quit, I quit. It's a nature. You think it's something that, see, and this is what we do. When the nature tells us to quit, then we make excuse for the nature. Well, you know, I need energy. It's my job. I need energy. I'm just a child. I should, you know, I'll die if I don't eat today. And, you know, I'm, I, I'm a good parent. I should, I'm not talking about making your kids fast. I'm just playing around with that. But what I'm saying is this. What we do is, is we lose sight of something that I believe is important. Do I believe fasting this Friday is going to make you a spiritual diet and you're just going to be turned into a new person? No, not at all. Not, not even a little bit. Well, then why are we doing it? Because I thought it was cool. No, why are we doing it? We do it for one reason. Control. That's it. Not, there isn't no, you, oh, we can spin it religiously. Listen, I, I, I hear, I hear that stuff. It's control. It's stating that I can control myself. I'm in control. And this is when you realize there is a fight that goes on. I mean, this is crazy. There is a fight. I mean, I, this fight goes on every day. You know, when it gets around lunchtime and I get hungry, the fight goes on. Are we going to eat? This is what my body's doing. Are we going to eat? I'm busy right now. And no, I don't think you understand. Are we going to eat? I could have ate at 10.30. And my lunch is 11. And my stomach's still like going, what are you doing? Why, why are we waiting? You guys know what I'm saying, right? This, see, this is an issue. But why does... Control help us because it puts you in charge. You are now living life, not existing. You're in a position where you're telling yourself, this is what we do. This is how we do it. If you don't talk to you this way, you live subconsciously. Subconsciously is, is yeah, you're going to be just like your mama. Yeah, you're going to be just like your daddy. You might even hate them. I don't care. You're going to be just like them. Why? Because just because you desire and want to and wish for and, 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 and talk about everything, that don't mean nothing. Until you do, are, are you guys hearing me? Until you do, change 
you won't change. Because change is not change until it's changed. That means you got to do something. Then you think, well, Pastor, I mean, all right, so you were just about to tell me a super key of how to understand this teaching to help me in life. Yeah, I was earlier, but I said, ah, forget it. No, I'll tell you. You guys ready for this? All right. Let me see. Let me, let me do this. Who knows? I won't get rough. I won't get hard with you. Who knows? And you're, and let's, and you're good. I didn't say you're an A student, but you're good at Who knows basic calculus? Just basic calculus. Come here. Come on. Come on now. Come on. All right, Mel, what you're going to do is, is you're going to be our math wizard. So what I'm going to do is do this. This is what I'm going to do. It's so simple. All you're going to do is think of the most easiest, easiest calculation equation in your head. Whatever the simplest one that comes to your mind. It could be, I mean, little. Because the ones that don't know calculus, it don't matter. All right? It don't matter. So tell me what that calculus thing. Derivative of 3x. The derivative of 3x. Now everybody's freaking because they are scared so much that I'm going to walk up to you, stick this mic in your face, and say, give me the answer of that equation, right? Okay, so what I'm going to do is exactly what I said I'm going to do. I'm going to go to someone that I know that did not come to my life study because, see, they'll cheat. And then I'm going to say, answer that equation. Now, how old are you? There's no way in the world she knows calculus. What is the answer to that equation? I don't know. And you don't know proudly, right? Yeah. All right. Let me ask you something. What are you studying right now in, in school? What highest level of math are you right now? Are you on division, subtraction, multiplication, what? I mean, what are you doing, regular mathematics right now? Okay, regular mathematics. All right. She's doing regular mathematics. Everybody hear me? Is she doing calculus? She's 18 years old. Know what she say? 11. She's 11-year-old. She's doing general math. I'm not going to ask how you are, Mel. Mel is a, a mathematician at a high level of understanding of calculus. How many understand calculus again? Okay, that's, yay, love life. All right, Mel, go sit down. Thanks. A bunch of scientists here. Thank you, Jesus. All right, now let me ask you something. Uh, listen, you might be thinking, all right, what up with this? Well, I'm giving you the greatest spiritual lesson that you could ever find that will help you in your spiritual Christian walk at the greatest level that you could ever grasp. Because what you need to understand, you need to understand this right now, or you're going to become religionized, but you better understand this right now. And what I'm talking to and what I'm talking about is a life of a Christian that thinks they're supposed to know something they darn well shouldn't. 
And I also want you to tell you something about the Bible that says you're accountable to the only knowledge you have, not the knowledge you don't have. But Christianity, we be judging everybody based upon what we know, what they don't know, what they should know, what we think they should know, and we judge and judge and judge. And usually the judge is the dumbest of all. What I need you to understand is what I'm about to share with you is a fact, a spiritual truth, and a natural principle. Because Mel should know calculus because she was taught calculus. But should an 11-year-old answer a calculus equation? But is calculus truth? Certainly it is. And are there equations with the exact answers in calculus? Yes, there is. But what does she know? I know what she knows. Five plus five equals ten. And she said it with a, I am all that. Why? Because she's secure in the knowledge she has. But this is what Christianity does. How come you don't know equations? Don't you have faith? How come you're not spiritual like I am? You should know calculus. Is that the most idiotic action you've ever seen? Well, turn to your neighbor and say, I think he's talking about you right now. Don't be hitting on no one. Don't slap no one. <laughs> what did we just see? We saw a fat crayon. We started coloring and go, hey, I got out of lines, but I'm doing good right now. It's all good. It's all good. Why? Because I understand that's a fact. And anything above this teaching is a lie. I'm telling you right now. I don't care what prophet or what, you know, evangelist or super teacher on TV they, they don't have a clue what they're talking about. If they are contradicting what I'm telling you right now, this is 100% Bible. Spiritualism in this Christianity commercialism is, is trying to get people to not understand what you're talking about because you're so spiritual. That is garbage. Or we just go around and tape and mimic people and we don't even know. What, what breeds that? What produces that? This lie of the devil trying to say you should know stuff you shouldn't know. I didn't say calculus is not a truth, nor should it be ever learned. But if that's not your journey, why would you? Right? Why would you? I wouldn't. There's no purpose. Well, knowledge, just having that knowledge. No, there's no purpose. I'm looking at life. I love to learn. I love to expand my knowledge. But certain areas are like, who cares? Who cares? There's no purpose in that for me. But in God's word, it, there, it's all purpose for me. But I have to learn correctly. I'm not trying to reach for areas that I'm not at the level to reach for. That's not faith, by the way. That'd be like God saying, I'm going to test you with something you have no clue about, no, no understanding over, just to find out where you're at. God doesn't do that. No way in the world. God doesn't operate that way. And what we have to do is we have to allow ourselves growth. Because this is what we will do, and I'll tell you the truth of the picture. This is the truth of the picture, and I'll, and I'll use my sons, who are, of course, perfect, because they're preacher's kids. They are perfect, but that's a different story. All right? So I'm in live study. 
I'm, I'm telling this group this same principle. I look to Daniel, who is very smart, very smart, okay? Daniel at 12, can take, he, he can do college. He's, he's that level. He's Stanford honors type kid, which he was a part of, by the way. So he's got this, you know, ability to quickly learn, and, and, and it's amazing. So he has this understanding. Matthew, you're waiting for me to say, he's a dummy. No. <laughs> Matthew is super intelligent, but in a different way. And his intelligence aggravates his brother. It's crazy because Matthew can do 20, time, 20 things at once, but on the important thing, understand picture, color, type, names, the power of this weapon the, and the weakness of this weapon while he's playing three other games. And I'll ask a question about, hey, which, which gun's the best one for this? And Matthew will go, boom. I'll say, which model was that? Matthew will go, boom. Daniel will be going, no, I think it's this. And, and, and Maddie's going, no. I already know this because I know my voice. Matthew's right. And even though Daniel knows his brother's right, he just has to figure out, it's got to be a different model. It's got to be a different gun. There's got to be something else. Why? Because they learn differently. They're different boys. But I use them in the, in, in the message, and, I, and this is God. This, this is a new, new this, like I said, God used fat crayon with pastor. And then I bring it to you. And the reason why it's important to understand is because this isn't studied. This is flowing from the heart of a pastor that not only confesses, speaks, but demands for the word of God to be brought forth in a way that you can take forward, take hold of, and run with and have a life-changing experience. So that's all my life. That's what I expect, all right? Now, so I go, Daniel, think of an equation in your head. Where are you, what are you doing right now? And he said he's doing a geometry. I'll say, okay, so think of a geometry equation in your head and ask Maddie to answer it. And Maddie's over here going, like, oh, my gosh. Matthew's not doing that right now. He's doing a different math. I think first algebra, right? Beginning algebra. Okay. So Daniel asks him a question, and Maddie does this. And this is the perfect, this was so beautiful because it's the perfect picture of people. And he went, he's doing what Christians do. Acting or trying to act like they can figure out or they know and I had to stop and I said, Matthew, do you know? And he went, no. And I go, exactly. But I said, what you did, it, and I pointed to all in life study. I said, this is what we all do. We're trained, not by God, but by this world system to have an answer for a question we should not have. I should have the greatest marriage in the world, Pastor. It should be the greatest, and it just sucks. I don't know why it's so bad. Well, let's look at what you know. I mean, how many years of marriage class have you gone to? <laughs> what? 
didn't you tell me your, your, your mom and your dad, you know, they were divorced and your mom's been divorced three times? <laughs> what? I asked you the question again. How many years of marriage instruction in college and university of how to have the greatest marriage have you gone to? <laughs> what? In other words, what the heck are you talking about? You should. No, you shouldn't. You God said, I do, and now you expect it to be perfect. That'd be me like going to a class, not going to class, and expect me to be the smartest student in the class. That is ridiculous. And that's society today. That's the Christian faith today. Instead of going, I want the best marriage. I want to be the best parent. Help me understand. Not I should be, and it should be this, and it should be that. You say should, you better have years of proof for the should. Am I talking truth? Why is this truth? Because it's a natural principle. And all natural principles are tied and aligned with spiritual truths from God. It's the same thing. I'm just making it fat crayon for everybody to understand. You now understand spiritual truths, probably more than most of the church on planet Earth. Now, what does that mean? That this knowledge puffs us up and we're all that? No. What it means is I'm more freer now because I'm not going to hold myself accountable to something I shouldn't know. Now, yeah, let me study for a while. Let me walk this out. Let me get some, get some uh, uh, experience in this and then give me a test. And if I blow it and make mistakes of what I should have known, I'll own up to it and said, I should have known that. I should have been different. I should have acted differently. I should have done. Come on, somebody. What say you? Come on. Are you guys hearing what I'm saying? Are you in agreement with what I'm saying? What say you? I love that. That's one of my favorite movie parts of all time. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about Aragon, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, and he's going to the, the, the army of the dead. And these guys are losers because they were so dishonorable and ran from a battle and they were cursed and they couldn't leave this mountain and they were cursed in it to just wander in this mountain forever until they were able to fulfill their pledge of honor. And Aragon goes to this mountain to help them defeat all the evil out there that's going to destroy the world. And Aragon talks to him and says, it's time for you to fulfill your honor. What say you? Pretty cool. <laughs> I love it. I think it's, and y'all just like, why do I mean? Don't, anybody like Lord of the Rings? All right. Moving right along into scripture. The prophetic word in the Lord I read to you, there was two specific statements that I wanted to really touch on tonight. And that was that when God spoke to me, he said, clarity and vision and clear our eyes to be in position for the great harvest. Clear our eyes to be in position for the great harvest. Those are two important words because what I'm saying is this. This is in respect to our nature and if you look at the first beginning, the root of the fall of mankind, people, Adam and Eve, you look at the picture of their fall, you'll recognize that there was an operation of the enemy to affect their vision. God created everything good. 
And then he created Adam and Eve to experience everything good. Everything. The enemy comes in and starts speaking to Eve. And he challenges God's goodness. By what? By questioning God. This is the MO of the enemy. This is what happens when you hear the word of God and you're being taught and you're listening to these truths and you walk in and go, well, I don't know, was that real? And that's how the enemy works. He wants you to start questioning. What you're hearing is not non-scriptural. I'm not telling you something that's wacko. I'm telling you something what the Bible teaches that'll help you grow and mature to be successful. And the enemy wants to twist that. He wants to flip it. He wants to get you not to even pay attention. He wants you to just pay attention to your phone right now while I'm teaching. I've seen people do that. Is that you have to allow the word of God. You get to allow the word of God. I wish I could say I have to, and you, you, but I can't. But you really, really will need to want to. And I want you to want to. Amen? So we have to recognize the responsibility we have, the responsibility we have to be careful what we listen to because the downfall of Adam and Eve is made clear on the question that God asks. The first question is, is where are you? Now, you already know he knows where they're at. In the Hebrew, it's actually, why are you where you are? But see, we don't, you know, we just read English. And Adam and Eve are hiding. And they said, we saw ourselves naked and we hid ourselves because we were Ashamed of what we saw. Now think about that. They were naked before. And there was no shame. And everything was good. The moment they allowed the enemy to influence them, it changed what? Their clarity. They changed from seeing a good God to seeing a bad God. Because the devil said, God doesn't want you to have what he has. God's holding back on you. That God, bad God, bad God. What you gonna do? What you gonna, oh, my bad. I know it's stupid, but you gotta deal with, you gotta deal with. You would not believe how many songs go through my head when I'm teaching. I gotta fight the good fight of faith. Or some of you would think, he is crazy. He done, he's done crazy. And then you'd be talking Southern to me. Pastor, you done crazy, boy. You crazy, Pastor. <laughs> and they believed a lie, which all of a sudden they see themselves naked. My thoughts were is, why would that be shame? Why automatically, in their purest state of everything great, 
Now all of a sudden it's dirty. Would you think that's correct vision? What, Eve got fat? No, no I'm, <laughs> I'm just, I'm asking a question. Why all of a sudden is there a different process from the one they had? What, Adam was blind? He didn't see her naked? He saw her in, you know, the, the, the newest fashion? All right, so what happens is, is I, I'm not getting this. You got two people naked walking around, having good times, and then you got nakedness after sin enters their life. How is that, what, what happened? Think of what happens. What, what the, the body's bad? The body's, no, no, no. What happened? What happened was, is when sin entered in, perception of how they saw, not what they saw, how they saw changed. You can't tell me nowhere in Scripture backs up that it'd be ugly and nasty when you see your naked wife. Because all you see is a Scripture proclaiming, hey, something is nasty and ugly. That is an evil. But are, do you guys hear what I'm saying? I mean, it talks about these kind of things. It, the nakedness is not evil. The nakedness is not ugly. What happened? It's when sin enters in, it changes the view, the perception of what you're seeing. Not what's seen, how you see. They're looking through the eyes of shame and guilt. God walked around with them. They were naked. The Bible says God came down on the cool of the day. This was normal action for God, the Father, and Adam and Eve. This is normal. All of a sudden, it's abnormal. This is the key of freedom and truth in Scripture. That God's, I mean, the enemy wants you to deny the goodness of God and all that he has for you to make it somehow that's dirty, that's wrong. You should be ashamed. You should be ashamed of believing and expecting. You should be ashamed of you give and should be given back to you. Should, and what are they saying? You should be ashamed of God's word, what God's word says. You should be ashamed of believing that God wants to heal you. Some people don't get healed. You should be ashamed. That's the enemy. Why? Because it's religion. That's how religion works. It's trying to find an answer to a question it shouldn't know anyway. And that's what people, and I, I say this too, like life study and stuff, I say that's what men do. And the reason why I say that is because men are the ones that screwed up most of the stuff anyway. It's a fact. If you look at all history of religion, men, look at history of the world, men, most of it's just because of dumb men. Amen? Amen. Oh, my gosh. I, listen, I'm on fire right now. Are you guys hearing me? Y'all yes. know I don't believe in dumb men or the, or the picture of the media wants to portray as some stupid father and everybody else is smart, even the 12-year-old smarter than the father. I don't believe in that. It's a lie. But y'all know what I'm saying, though. When we start looking at this, we should start respecting what the Word's trying to show us. All right? So I shouldn't know calculus if I didn't study calculus. So when the devil comes, you don't know that, dummy. I can look to him and say, callate. 
English for shut your mouth. Shut up. Devil, dumb devil. You should say that. Why? What does the Bible teach me to do? It teaches me to stand in my place of position of authority over the enemy that is under my feet, as well as resist, and he will flee like a little scrying baby. You've been watching too many scary movies where holy water don't work. <laughs> That's all fantasy. We want truth, right? Stand up for truth. What is that? Believe. I mean, truth of God and how he speaks is call those things to be not as though they were. What is that meaning? You're going to speak confessions of faith where your heart and your emotions are going, I'm not sure if I believe this. It don't matter. It's a natural way of learning. It's a natural process of learning. You're going to continue to repeat and be, repeat and be repetitive over different things to learn something. And no one goes to a, one, a, a, a five-year-old and says, stop that. Quit doing one plus one equals two different ways. And how come you keep doing it that way? You should know already. No one does that. Why? Because we are created to take a process of time to learn. And even when we've learned something, the Bible says, keep on learning. Peter says, I neglect not to remind you always of what? Of the present truth you know. Isn't that interesting? You know what super spiritual, crazy, wacko Christians do? You've already teached on that. Teach something else. Teach something a little more deeper. Yeah, I've already heard this stuff you're teaching. <laughs> Seen it, done it, been there, whatever. It's just goofiness. Are you with me? Yeah. Matthew 4.20. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, bear fruit. 30, 60, 100 fold. I'm telling you right now, it's in your DNA to have multiplication. It's in your DNA to be successful. If this, if this is in the Bible, it is declaring something that is factual, and that is this. There are four levels or four types of heart, ground, in your life. Four levels, four types of ground in your life. You are not all fruitful ground. You think that you have been religionized in instruction or you've just been taught by someone who don't know what they're talking about. You can't generalize scripture. Life is bigger than one avenue. So there are areas in my life where I'm good ground. And there's areas in my life where I'm the third ground, where, where the cares of this world and, and deceitfulness of riches choke out that word. And there's areas in my life where, where it's, it's, it's rocky and, and it gets a little pressure and I'm not as strong as I should be. And then there's areas where, no, there's not the first one. I lost that a long time ago. But thank God for that. The other ones, though, I can tell you, there's, there's, the, the first one is this. The seed comes, lands on hard ground, and then gets stolen away. I, I, that's not me. It's been, not been me for a while now. But it, it has been me before. I've learned my spankies to not allow that to be me anymore. So if it comes on me, the devil ain't going to get it. Now, I might not plant it, but that's going to be a choice I make. But I'm just not going to let the devil steal anything. The point is, is this, when it comes to your heart, there are areas that you should be having multiplication in. But because other areas of your heart, you're not. Other areas of your heart, you're not. 
you judge the good ground based upon the bad ground. That's the failure. That's the strength of the enemy. He's going to focus on your weakness and not let you think about your strength. And as long as he can keep you focused on failure, I'll never be, I never can, and then I can sit there and go, wait a minute, didn't you have success here? Weren't you, didn't you just do that? Weren't you this? And all of a sudden you're going, yeah, but this. No, but that. How do we fix this butt area? Working out. No, I mean, how, <laughs> how do we fix this area? How do we fix it? We grow in knowledge. We grow what? We grow in knowledge. Because everything in Scripture, everything in the Bible is tied to us growing in knowledge. How does that happen? Well, we know in life how it happens. I went to fifth grade one day, and I graduated to sixth grade in one day. And I graduated to seventh day, seventh grade in one day. Because that's how life works. We just graduate daily. No, it takes a long time. And sometimes we got to go back and repeat a grade. Or... Somebody does. And I'm not talking about me. I did have to. They called it senior first. I had to repeat first grade. But they called it senior first. In other words... This is where we put the dumb first graders. But they're seniors. Hey, I'm not ashamed. Look how I turned out. <laughs> I was a mama's boy. I whined and cried the first year. I wanted to be home. <laughs> we're, we're, we should be doing 3,600 fold in our lives. That's who we are, so that's what we should expect. Amen? Verse 21, he, he says to them, is a lamp brought to put under a basket or a table? Where's my lamp? Can someone bring my lamp up here? Fat crayon time. Okay? Fat crayon time. And he said to them, is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? Okay. I need you to understand something. What Jesus is saying is, is I need you to recognize something about us as believers. And that is this. I want you to turn off all the lights, even the video back here. Turn everything off. Turn off all the lights. All right? What he's saying is this. is He's, he's communicating to a, a group of people that they have a clay pot oil in the pot with a wick. Okay, we don't do that because we have electricity. But no matter what, we have something that creates the light. The oil created the light for the lamp. It's something you have to understand. But what he said is this, is that this light is something that should be seen. He's talking about a house, family, friends, visitors. It's a light that should be seen. It's necessary because it's dark. But this light lights up the room. He said the light should never be put under a bed or a cover because you can't see. And this is the way a lot of Christians live in those right now. It's pretty dark. 
the light's hidden, the light's covered. And he said, the light should never be covered. It should be out for people to see. See, I believe this 2020 is the year to let our light shine. I have no doubt it is. You can turn the light back on. And the reason why this is important to understand is because I have already shared with you the vision of what we're going to accomplish within three years, and it's very simple. It's all of us being this. And all we're asking, what I'm asking, what I'm expecting to a point is this, is that you care for three people and that you take care of, you coach three people in this new walk like Chris did for me, like Chris cared for me. And I received Jesus and Chris took care of me after the fact of receiving Jesus. And I lived that Christian walk with Chris taking care of me, baby Christian Daniel that doesn't know anything. And he helped me at my place and my relationship with him and helped me through this difficult time of this new life that I didn't know anything about. And because of him, I'm right here. Because of him. Oh, I could talk about my choices. I could talk about I Bible college and I did this and I pastored this and I'm now without Chris, I ain't here. You understand that? Well, someone else, you can't say that. You can't say that. Chris was my light. No, it's Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit. No, no, that's religious. It was Chris being used by the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, you blaming the Holy Spirit on people not accepting Jesus? See, religion doesn't even follow through with their comments at all. What I'm trying to say is, is I need you to be Chris to someone like me. Or someone like you but you have or had that Chris in your life. And it's time for you to be that person because that's what our Jesus expects us to be because this is the heart of God. It is the will of God and the heart of the Father that all humankind be saved, all men and women to be saved. That's his heart. But we get so church-minded and so self-centered that we all we care about is our needs being met and our kids and our clothing and our new cars and our new homes and, and God take care of this and bless this and, and prosper me in this. And we ain't even sharing light. And I'm telling you right now, that is so wrong because we're praying and begging and fasting and doing everything we can to try to manipulate God to do something good to us and he's a, he's a 30, 60, 100-fold God. And all he's saying is this. I give seed to the sower. Start bringing light. There ain't no begging going on. I'll, I'll bust, those star, I'll bust the, store, the, the barn doors down and give you so much money. You can't do any. You just have too much. I'll give you a house. I'll give you two houses. I don't care. See, that, we're, we're so robbed of what he really wants to do. 
Because when God blesses you, you can't stand up there going, ain't I all that? <laughs> I'm just so, I'm a smart, smart person. No. When God's doing it, you're like going, ain't me. He did it all. I'm just, I'm just, I'm enjoying the ride. You know, I, I do my part, but God's bigger and better than me. Amen. He says this, does a lamp be put under a basket or a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? Aren't you supposed to be shining? This is what I'm going to do. Next week, there's going to be a box here. It'll say, I agree for three. What you're going to do is you're going to write down three people's names. I'm getting you a whole week. It's like simple. Three people. Now, that might change later, but I don't care. You bring in another name. I don't care. All I'm saying is this. Three people. Those three people you're going to be praying for, you're going to be confessed, just like Chris did. You're going to speak in their lives. I'm not talking about in front of them. I'm going to say, you're going to be doing it all the time. Why? Because those are your three. You're bringing them home. You're bringing them home to Jesus. The, the, the heaven's going, let's do some parties, because that's what the Bible says. When one comes to the Lord, party in heaven. I want to go to heaven where everybody's going high-fiving. Dude, you don't know what you did up here. You turned this place crazy. It was like party city. It's going to be that way. You'll find out. Anyway, so there'll be a box. What you're going to do is you come in at church. Whenever you get here, not during service, but come in early after service, you're going to drop those names in there. And every service, we're going to speak to those. We're going to speak over them. We're going to confess. We're going to agree with you. I agree for you three. And then... January, February, March, April, you should have at least one in four months. If, we, if you want to break it down simplified, this is it. If you've got three, that's good. If you've got two, whatever. Within this four-month period, you should have one person that you led to the Lord or at least got them rededicated, and they're coming to church, and you're, you're their papa, you're their mama, you're, you're, you're discipling them, you're helping them in this new walk. You're their Chris. You're that person that helped you the same way. And maybe still is a part of your life. I don't know. And so you have that in front of you and you're a part of that. I'm telling you, that's when God's going, dude, this is awesome. Oh, man, you're, you're beating my heart right now. And it's something so great and so, it's just the most beautiful thing. And all these new, fresh faces are going to even stir up the ones that, you know, you need a little stirring. You've been a Christian a long time. You're like creaking in your Christianity. There's only a reason why a reason that happens is you settle in life. The older you get, the more you settle, the quicker you die. It's a fact. It's proven statistically. The older you get and the more purpose and vision you have, the longer you live. So four months, that one. In the next stage, I'm going to put up another one. And another one's going to say two, because you already got your one. And what you're going to do is, those that already got their one, they're going to put their two names in there. See, what it's going to do is it's going to show us something. It's going to show us, are you doing the light? Or do you got it covered? That's all it's going to do. Now, I'm not asking you to put your name so I can see it and go, well, that little Sally, she's got three. Ooh, she don't have two. I'm not talking about that. But what I'm saying is we need accountability. And not only that, but we need to speak life over these names together. You're not on your own. It's a teamwork. Amen? And after that second 
quarter, we go to the third quarter, and there's one. And we're going to see a bunch of names here, and then ultimately we're going to see a couple names, name, boom, all of a sudden they're going to keep falling, and we're going to see a bunch there. And then this one, and then we're going to see a bunch there. And what's going to happen here? We're having chairs added all over the place with all these babies that you're leading and guiding in this Christian faith. Bravo. It's a wonderful thing. And all of you are gifted and empowered to do just this. Well, I don't know the Bible. Good. No, good. I'm so thankful for you because you're going to have the easiest job. It's the ones that think they have to know and quote and get into revelation and break it down. You're the one that messes people up because that is in no way what Scripture teaches or shows us. It's life. And you take a first grader through first grade. You don't run them through. You let them learn and grow. Amen? Amen. So it goes on and says this. The lamp to the light, home. The lamp to the light in the home. The clay pot with the oil is reference to we can't give out unless we have a reserve. This is our reserve to be able to give out. You have information that can rock people's worlds. Right now, you do. Right now, the information I gave you, you can simplify in your own terminology how you want to say it and be able to communicate someone that way, non-churchy, in a way where they're going to go, well, I never thought about it that way. It sure makes life a little easier now, huh? I've been thinking I have to know everything. And you're like going, no, you don't. But if you are studying in an area, you should notice this area. And all of a sudden, they're like going, where are you getting this wisdom? And you're going to say what a good Love Life Church person will say. Because my pastor is like the most awesome thing I'm planning. No, you're going to say because I'm growing and I'm learning. And I'm receiving instruction that is life-changing. Where? Love life. It's all that. And some. It's good. Amen? Verse 22, for there's nothing hidden, truth, which will not be revealed. Truth. Nor is anything been kept in secret, truth, that should come to light. Truth. In other words, God is saying truth is coming. Truth will come. This is what I love about the scripture. I've heard people twist this stuff, and it's so stupid. I'm thinking, do you really strive to make people feel bad? I mean, I really, it just it agitates me beyond, beyond, because everything in, I see in the word becomes so simple and easy because God's saying, I want them to know. The more they know, the more they grow. Why would I try to make it hard? Why would I try to make it difficult? Why would I try to, to, to make it for only certain people to attain it? The better, the greater. No. That's why God used goofballs to impact the world. That's why he would use people that were, should not have been picked. I'm going to create my nation. Let me see. Who should I 
Let me see, this husband and wife, they already got 30 kids. They're very fertile. No, no, no. Let me see. Uh, uh, oh, wait a minute. There's, there's an old man, his woman, is, they can't have kids. I'll pick them. It's like, God, you need help? See, that's how he works. Because, see, you're one of those people that other people look at and go, I wouldn't choose them. And if they're going to say that about you, all I see is a world changer. That's all I see. If people look at you and go, you can't be used by God. You got too much baggage. I'm seeing someone that can impact the world. Why? Because that's what the Bible shows us. People like that, that rise up and accomplish great and mighty things. Listen, I don't care who you look at. You can look at any person's life and see freakiness in their life or their family. The Ruths, the Esthers, you go on. There's gonna, you're going to find something that's like going, ah. I'm telling you. That's the Bible. That's our life. He goes on to say, in the same way, let your light shine in front of people. In the same way, let your light shine in front of people, for they will see the good that you do, your transformed life, and praise your Father in heaven. They will see what? The good that you do. And what is that? Y'all know that. You Christians in here, you, you that just recently received Jesus or you've been, you know, maybe this is new for about a year now, you already know family and friends are looking at you going, man, you're different. But not in a bad way. You, you, you know, you're not puking in the toilet after a night of clubbing anymore, man. You, you're not, you, you, you don't have to concern yourself about getting DUIs anymore. Wow. I mean, everything about your life starts changing. And people start seeing it. Not we're better than them. That's ridiculous. You can't establish you're better than them because Jesus died for the world. There's no better than them. There's, I found the love and I got the love. Now you need it. Because it'll change your life. Amen? Continue Mark 4.23 says, If anyone has the ears to hear, let them listen. Continue listen. Let them hear. Continue hearing. Take heed to what you hear. Remember what I said. God asked Adam. He said, who told you you were naked? Who told you? Who are you listening to? You got to be careful who you listen to. Amen? With the measure you hear will be used to you, and to you who hear, more will be given. It's a principle of God. If you have hearing ears to learn, you will grow in knowledge. You fight it, been there, done that, you won't grow. I've been in church services in my Christianity where I'd fight the message. I didn't grow. I didn't grow at all. It's a know-it-all attitude. No, when you open up your life to have an intent to learn, you know it's just natural principles. You see these people in class. They excel in class because they have an attitude to learn. It doesn't matter if, you know, their parents are making them or what or, or threatening them. It doesn't matter. The point is, is their hard attitude is, I'm going to learn. Everybody agree with that? Okay. He goes on to say, for whatever, whoever has knowledge received and used, to him more will be given. Growth continues. Growth continues. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away. This is so powerful, and it's, and it's pure truth. 
You can have knowledge, but you don't use it. It'll be taken away. And you might be thinking, oh, come on, come on. I can tell you right now, everybody in here has gone to school, and I guarantee you there's a lot of stuff you learn in school that you don't remember anymore. Everybody in here. Everybody in here. There's stuff that you learned that you don't even, it's not even in your thoughts anymore. And even if you do, you're like going, God, what was that? I can't remember. Let me see. What happened? Who won that? I don't got it. Yeah. It's, it's, do you guys get it? This is a fact of life. Knowledge not used and applied, you will ultimately end up losing it. It's just life. And that's what the word's saying. It says, what you have, the little that you have, will be taken away from you because you're not using it. It's a principle of our bodies, our, our lives operate. Three is the key. Thanks again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you.